0: If you will, this morning, please, to Matthew chapter 7. We'll start at verse 1 when we get there. The the title to this this morning is you get what you ask for. There is a doctrine in the Bible that not many church folks I know know about. And it seems like that every time I get another message for you guys, it's God trying to teach you how to act like his children and what he's all about. Because he said in Chronicles that the only way to be spiritual was to know and understand him. Heaven's a different place than this place. It's nothing at all like it. We know something about it, but when it comes down to it, very little. But we're going to be there someday someday, and it's going to be the best place we've ever been. And God says in the time from our saying, yes, Jesus, I believe you and what you did on the cross for me and become believers till the time that we are face to face with Jesus himself, that God is in the cleaning up business. He calls it purging. It's like taking a nasty bucket, taking a hose pipe and just squirting water in there as hard as it'll go and watering it around till you get it as clean as you can get it. And that's what he's doing with us. He's trying to clean us up. Now, I have heard that with God all sins are the same size, but they're not. There's one at least that I know, the sin of adultery. It says that when a man commits adultery, or a woman, don't they realize that they're destroying their heart? I don't know what it means. He didn't describe it any further than that, but he singles out adultery as being the worst sin that we as humans can be involved in. It just, a thought just occurred to me. I never thought about it before, but as I looked down, this, this, this idea came to me. Well, you see, God can't die. So murder or dying wouldn't be the worst thing for him. But he has Had adultery committed to him by us because we played around with idols. We had an affair with other things beside God, things like our jobs, our 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 ambitions, our positions in life, our houses, our cars—all those things that we think we're so cool because we own them. God says you've got to be careful. But there is a doctrine in the Bible from one end to the other. You can see little bits and pieces of it just like you do on this other side. It's not all found in one place. But there are a few places where it's very, very strong. And what it amounts to is this. You are in control to at least some extent by the way God treats you. You have control over the way God treats you. Back in, De- in Deuteronomy, he said, I put before you a curse and a blessing. You can either live a blessed life or you can live a cursed life. It's all your choice. Every time you sin, it brings another curse in your life. Every time you, you do something blessed, in obedience to God, it brings a blessing in your life. And you react to those things either positive or negatively. That's the way it works. But there's a couple of promises that I think a lot of us don't know about. And I'd like to show you those this morning to tell you there's, there's something I learned a long, long time about God when he suggests that it would be nice if you would do these things. He says... Give to the poor. Give to the weak. Help these people. They can't help themselves. And there's not a threat there. It's just asking you to do these things. And then one day, you run across a scripture over there that said, He who stoppeth his ear at the cry of the poor himself will cry out and I will not hear him. There's... Cause and effect to all these things that in a place you can say, well, he asked me to do it, and I'm trying to do it. No, no, no. No, no, no. There are things that happen to you because you don't. In every place I know, everything he said about what he wants us to do, there's a place somewhere that says, just like he said then, if somebody poor calls out to you and asks you for help, and you don't help them, for whatever reason, There's going to come a time when you're going to call out for help and you're going to call me because you're a Christian and I'm not going to hear your prayer for help because you didn't help him when he cried out for help. So you see, there's a promise there. And everything that we get from God in a way has another side to it. And you think, well, I can do whatever I want to do. Yes, you can, but you'll suffer if you do. I'm just telling you, that's that curse and that blessing right there, making your choice. Well, I don't have time to stop and help that guy right now. I got the appointment and such and such, and I got to be on time. Well, there's another That when you cry out for help, God won't help you, because you did. So let's look at Matthew chapter 7 this morning and verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. We've all heard that. All of us know about that scripture. But I'll tell you what I was thinking about this week over the last two or three days putting this message together is that so many times we leave words out. We pass over it real quick. We might read ten verses and don't realize what a one of them said. That's not the way to read your Bible. You have got to read every single word in a verse and try to understand what that word means in order to get the full meaning of what God is trying to tell us. I thought about it and thinking about that. Everybody knows that scripture of turning the other cheek. And I have heard more inaccuracies about that one scripture in the Bible from more people than anything else. Everybody has got a different idea of what it means and they grab at it, and they get their idea, they fix it in their head, and they run with it, and they never look back. And most of them that I have asked to explain that verse to me don't have a clue what he's talking about. (laughs) Well, you're just not supposed to hit anybody back when they hit you. That's not what it says. But that's what we think it says, and so we walk around taking stuff off of other people because we think God asked us to do that. In some instances he does, but in other instances he doesn't. That verse doesn't apply at 12 o'clock at night when you come to my front door and try to break in and harm my family or my wife. I'm not turning the other chief. Don't look for it. Look for a 357, but don't look for the other chief. Because see, I've got another responsibility. That's my family and my kids and my possessions. I've got to take care of The Bible says, if you're going to bother what a strong man has, and we've got to judge ourselves whether or not we are that, but if you're going to bother what a strong man has, you're going to have to bind the strong man first. You're going to have to tie him up, and then you can do whatever you want to with his stuff. But don't come at me with a rope. I'll be perfectly biblical and hurt you as bad as I can. If you're coming for stuff like that. When you on a street corner and you're you and one of your brothers, another Christian, slaps you with his open hand. Doesn't say anything about a fist, doesn't say anything about grabbing up a stick or a pole or nothing else. A brick. It says slaps you with his open hand. You're to turn the cheek and take it. Because, see, this is just between you and him. This is you personally. Taken an offense. And we're called to do that. But that's what I'm saying. So many of these verses, we get an idea of what they really mean and we hadn't gone back and looked at them two or three times. But it says here, Judge not that ye be not judged. Now, what does it mean to judge? You can make a comment about somebody, Oh, you can't judge him. Well, I mean, I just saw him do it. All I am is a witness. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just stating the fact that two minutes ago he did this. So you see, they don't understand what judging is. The purest form of judging is this. Well, you know why he did that, didn't you? don't you? No. Well, he thinks in his mind that so and so and so and so, and so is like this. That is pure judging right there is when you describe to somebody about what's going on in somebody else's mind. That is judgment. Because you don't know. There's no way you can know. You say, well, he can tell you what's going on in there. Yes, he could, but he may be lying. (laughs) So what I'm trying to say, we can't make comments about why people do things. Because we really don't know. And the scripture makes plain over and over, only God is the one that knows another a man's heart. So judge not that you be not judged. Now that says judge not so that you will deserve not to be judged by others yourself. As long as you're judging others, critic, being critical of others and their behavior and their standard of living or whatever, <coughs> As long as you make comments about that, you don't have any right whatsoever to say something about somebody saying something about you. You can pass these little comments all day and think that they're harmless, and then when you hear it comes from across town that somebody has just said something that just, I mean, just beat you, slap down to the ground, and we get so upset about it, we can't stand it, that somebody would dare say a critical word about us. You better get used to it because ever since the day you said, Jesus, I want to be some of yours, you've had it. You might not have known about it, but you had it because they're going to be critical of you simply because they follow the other side. And sometimes it's your own people that get you the worst. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. Now that's not saying talking about somebody being critical about somebody. That says that when you make that statement about somebody else and he ought to have known better than to do that, that means you ought to know better than to do it too. If you say he ought not to live like this or he ought not to do things like this, what God is saying is, well, I'm going to put that standard on you. So, In whatever way you judge somebody else, that's the way God judges you. You can dictate your own style of judgment simply by the way you act toward somebody else. We don't often think about stuff like that. He deserves it because we don't like his behavior. But I don't deserve it because I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. That's the way we look at things for the most part. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you meet or use, it shall be measured to you again. If, I guess, times get hard and you're having prices go up on everything, the way you can keep prices down on a sack of potato chips is cut out a half ounce or an ounce of potato chips in that bag. Nobody notices that. They don't notice they've changed a the little figure on the sack that says six and a half ounces instead of seven. But that's the way they do it. So it says, if you cheat people with your tater chip, then I'm going to allow you to be cheated with what you get. That has to do with the whole business world and everything else. If this is the way you do business, I'm going to see to it that people's going to do business with you that way. You don't want that. I've had my own business and I've lived through it and I don't want it at all. So I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that the measure that I sell to you for the going rate is heaped up and rounded up and falling over the outsides of the bowl or the basket or the hay sticking out from the strings if I'm selling hay, whatever. I want to make sure you get a full measure because if I don't, if I try to cheat you the least little bit, that's the way life and the world and business and other people are going to treat me and I don't want to be treated like that. I don't want to have to watch every single thing I do. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is your own eye? This is about hypocrites. We talked not long ago about uh, uh, the words that come out of our mouth don't match our hearts. That is a hypocrite, is when your mouth don't match your heart. You got one thing going on in your heart, but you say something entirely different. That's a hypocrite because you mislead people into thinking you're something other than what you really are. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? Now what I found out, a mote is a dry twig or a straw. Why would you talk about a little straw that's in another fellow's eye but considers not the beam that is in your own eye? Now in that that day, their definition of the word beam was a piece of lumber big enough, strong enough to hold something up. It's like a four-by-four on the corner of your porch or a five-by-five on the corner of your porch. It's something that you're gonna have a little bit of problem picking up and toting very far. That's the beam that's in your eye. I mean, you're having trouble looking out around that four-by-four that completely covers your eye to see that straw that's in his eye. But that's what we do. We make a mistake. We go right and complain then, but somebody is making the same mistake. And somebody said, "Well, you did that yesterday, and all of a sudden it catches us, and we remember. Yes, by golly, we did." A stick of timber big enough to hold something up. He says. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. We all know that. We've heard that. I mean, I've heard that in beginners, you know. That was one of the, 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 the things they taught us as little kids, the things we ought to keep in our mind as we're growing up and making statements and talking and playing and doing things and whatever, of being fair to everybody else. What you think others should be, you will be required to be the same. When you comment about what somebody else is in a critical fashion, then God puts that critique on you. I had to learn years ago you can't really steal from God. They say in Malachi you can, but you can't. Because how can you take something away from God and put it in a place where he doesn't know where it is? (laughs) There's no way you can do that. He knows where everything is all the time. But they told us we can steal from God. Now what it means is that instead of putting something in his pocket which he deserves, we put it in our pocket which we don't deserve. And we're really not stealing. We had just put it in a place that is not appropriate. And we tote stuff around in our pocket like that all the time. It doesn't belong to us. It really doesn't. And we ought to be in a a situation to where we can see. Now, I know there's all these guys on TV that are talking about planting seeds and all that kind of stuff and how if you'll send us $327, you'll be getting back thousands. God says, stay away from people like that. They're telling you a lie. Don't listen to them. But I'm going to say this. If you live your life generously... God will be generous to you I've seen it over and over and over again I have seen people who were not to in my mind the most upstanding people who somebody says man you sure have got a nice TV his wife says yeah we just got that three weeks ago guy said man that's the prettiest TV I believe I've ever seen he will back his pickup up and I'll just give it to you I've seen him do that And all of a sudden things start coming down like you wouldn't believe, and you've got a new pickup, a new TV sitting in the same place next week. It works that way. But it don't always work the same way. It's like I've said. We didn't have money when our kids were small to have insurance. People can't dare think of living without insurance today. I went 26 years without insurance for my family, health insurance, one year. Our doctor bill for the family of four, one of them's got type 1 diabetes, another one's got some health problems and normal kids problems. The whole thing for the year was $24 my bill to a doctor. So you see, it's not always connected. You will give over here and you will think it's coming back to look like that TV I just gave away. may not. It may be in what you have to pay out to the doctor. God does things that way, and He's all about. There's no such thing as coincidence, folks. God's all about treating you like you ought to be treated because of the way you treat other people. That's what He says. It's a promise, and you can give those things to other people and never have a thought of getting it back, and get it back ten times. It's your attitude. You're the one who sets God's treatment of you. It's up to you. However you want him to treat you, you have control over that. God bases your treatment from him on how you act, what you actually do for him with others. We know all about dead works, and we know we do things for people that God never told us to do, and that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about what you actually do for him with him in mind when you go about it. Not on what you think you do. We all got this idea that we're a lot better than we are. I mean, that comes with, a, that comes with the flesh. Not your assessment of what you do. You can't hold God to that of what you think of yourself, but what you actually are and do. And God doesn't treat everybody the same. His idea of fair is not our our idea of fair at all. So don't expect to be treated like somebody else. Let's turn, if you will, please, to Proverbs chapter 26. Now let's get really to the basis of judging other people. That can mean a lot of things, making making other people live up to a standard that you've got created, for yourself, because I'm going to tell you, I've never seen anybody convict somebody else of a crime that they were in the process of doing it at the same time. As long as you're doing the same crime they are, you're not going to say anything about what they're doing because you're afraid somebody will look and see what you're doing. So there's all kinds of ways that this can be carried out that you need to leave your brother alone. Chapter 26 and verse 17. Now here again is one of those verses like turning your cheek. Look at what it says. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. Now what does that say? Keep your nose out of other folks' business. That's one way of saying it. But I mean, God is really into it for that. He wants us to be standing and two or three people in the crowd talking about all kinds of things and we got to tell our side of the story because it's bigger than theirs. God doesn't intend for us to do that. You bring attention to yourself because the words that come out of your mouth are the abundance in your heart. Now I looked that word up, abundance, and it means excess, So we've got excess things in the heart that we want to say that we really don't need to say. May even bring trouble to ourselves. But we say them anyhow. And so much of this stuff about our conscience, about our habits, about our reputation, about this, you know, if you're known as a person who judges other people, who's critical about everybody else, All of this has to do with the public around you folks and what they know about you and what they've seen you do. That's who's got this thing. Your reputation is the people who know you. But look what it says. It's like one that taketh the dog by the ears. Do you know what that means? Some of you are not old enough to remember LBJ. You know he had two beagles and he towed them around by the ears around the yard. All of the. the, the, the PETA people and everything had everything to say about him toting those dogs around by their ears what that means is in this case it's a dog that you don't know it's not your dog you're not toting your dog around by the ears you're carrying somebody else's dog around by the ears how do you know that because this is not happening in your neighborhood how do you know that he that passeth by, the guy that's doing this is the guy that's walking through the neighborhood. He's not living there. He's coming through. He's a stranger to most everybody. So if you're a stranger in a place, what it essentially says is don't go grabbing up dogs that you don't know by their ear because you're going to get bit. It's inevitable. So he that passeth by and stops to meddle in strife that doesn't belong to him. You're not in this argument those folks are having over there. You're a stranger. You walk through this part of town and you see that they're in a discussion and apparently they're disagreeing with each other. So what do you do? Well, I mean, because you're smarter than everybody else. Anyhow, isn't that the way most of us think? You put in your two cents worth. And it says here, just as sure as you pick up a dog by the ear and get bit, you're going to get hurt from that from doing something like that. That's not people you know. It's not people that are that are that are having any kind, you don't have anything to do with the argument, but you got to put in your two cents worth. You're going to get in trouble. That's just the way it is. And here again, this is a particular situation because he made it particular. The guy is not live next don't live next door. It's not his dog. It's not a dog he knows. And the people that he's sticking his nose in with their their their, their argument, he don't know them either. So when you do something that dumb, don't be surprised to get dog bit or something like it. If you read every word, you get the whole meaning of a sentence and then you don't come away with a mixed up idea about what this is talking about. This is a particular situation and I hope I've just explained that because if you go back and read it again and look at this word, Go back and read it again. Look at this word. You begin to get mental pictures about this verse. Your testimony as a Christian is not only a doing Christian testimony, but a saying Christi- testimony too. People watch what you do and they make an opinion on who you are by the things you do. They don't know you. They just saw you do it. People make an opinion on you and create an idea about who you are by what you say that they heard. So if you don't want people to have a bad impression of you, don't do anything bad in front of them and don't say anything out of place in front of them they have every right to create a bad testimony for you and like we learned about habits, having good habits and bad habits, if you are a habitual thief and you steal all the time, the people around you know that and they avoid you because they don't want nothing stolen out of their yard they don't want to get friends with you because you what is it, case the joint it's about how others perceive you God has said we're in the other's business. That is the business I'm in, is people other than me. And when you become a Christian, you become a representative of me who is in the business of people other than you. And how are they going to see you? How are they going to believe you? What are they going to think about what you just told them? What are they going to think about God? What are they going to think about Jesus? Because they heard it from you. You give credibility to what's going on. Turn to Luke. In chapter 6. verse 35 Luke chapter 6 verse 35 Jesus is talking here because it's in red but love ye your enemies 35 what did I say 36 it was 26 35 6 35 (laughs) I don't know what's wrong with me Chapter 6, verse 35. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. How many times have you given somebody a 20 that come to the church and needs help and they say, I'll pay it back. First word, you don't owe us nothing. <laughs> we don't loan money down to church. We give it to whoever we think Jesus wants us to give it to. But we don't loan it. And Lynn, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Look at all the unthankful people and the evil people he puts up with every day. They're all around us. And he intends for us to be that way. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. He's talking about all these things. That you, The way you do it, that is the way God treats you. What you impose on other people is what God imposes on you. Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Whoa, 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 I thought we were talking about what God was doing here. Well, we just found out something else. God blesses you through other people. little short story. I won't run a rabbit trail. In May the 27th, in 1973, we were smashed to the ground by a tornado. It took everything we had. I'm a proud man. I don't take things from other folks. I do my own business. I take care of my own losses. You don't, you don't have to help me do anything. And I had to learn something. And I learned it from Jot Young, a black man lives right up here behind us, came from that little church on that hill right up there behind us with a little sack on Sunday afternoon. It was awful of sack. It must have been in a thousand people's pocket for a thousand years. i never seen so many creases in a sack, but there was a sack just about that bit, a little bit bigger than a softball, and it didn't have a single dollar in it. He said, "Must Joe, we took up a collection for you this morning, and this is what it was, and we brought it to you. If you are too good to accept money or help or anything free from other people, your pride is so big, it's getting in the way of what God is trying to do for you. Because you see this word, your bosom, you know what that is? That's right in here and there was a fold in their robe right over that belt, that sash that they wore, that they kept their bill for, kept their money. They took it out of their bosom, and they gave it to you, and you put it in your bosom. So that's that's the reason for the expression, the bosom. And I learned something that day. You better be open to God, because you don't know where his gifts are coming from. And if you've got pride and I can't accept this, I feel ashamed accepting this. You better not because God gave it to you, not the guy that handed it to you. He said, we took up an orphan today for you, Mr. go, and here it is. It came out of a church, if you need more proof. It came from God's people. And he brought it to us to help us in our time of need. Judy became and I became in that year 1973, what later turned into a thrift store. <laughs> we had everything that our kin folks had and everything else full of stuff people had given us and everything somebody wanted to give us, we took it. I bet you I gave away five at least bedroom sets to newly married who didn't have a bed to sleep on. And it all came out of God trying to teach me that when somebody gives you something, you better be humble enough to take it or you're not going to be able enough to get along with me because all of these promises I got for you is not going to work. Because what you got to be willing to do, folks, is take it from other people when they offer it. You're blessed by others all around you all the time. It doesn't fall out of the sky with a parachute. You don't have to pay a dollar bill to buy a lottery ticket. It comes to you from God. And it's usually being carried by somebody else. Let me say this, for what we're talking about. You want to live a blessed life? In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7, that when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Can you believe if this wasn't true, how many people you'd have to fight every day that don't like you? (laughs) God is laying the paddock before you. I mean, he's making the road before you. He cleans out the ditches, gets the trees out of the road and everything so you can go on your way and not be late. He makes people who don't like you to be your friends. Now, how bigger can you get than that? You treat others as you would have them treat you and God says that's the way I'll treat you. I'll see to it that those others that you're treating like I want you to will treat you like you treated them. It's a way that you control the world that you live in. You may not know what's coming next But it will be good because every good and every perfect gift coming from above. So God, anything you get that you you, you're 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 happy about comes from God, and He does that for us. He doesn't do it for everybody, just us. And you control that. Let's pray. Father, teach us to beat our own selves down, as Luke says, to deny ourselves, deny our plans, deny our ambitions, and pick up our cross every morning and follow Jesus. Help us, Lord, to learn from these scriptures that we have a say in how God deals with us and everybody doesn't get treated the same. Lord, make us aware of this, that we can negate by our behavior any promise that God ever made to do for us. Teach us how to be like you, how to be like Jesus, who never kept anything back from anybody, And never put anything he had over what anybody else had. Forgive us, Lord, as we sin and when we sin. I'm praying in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, your Son. Amen.